Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another edition of the River Sweep. I'm joined alongside, as always, Aches, Parasite, and James. Guys, it's the World Championship. New York just won. How are we all feeling? I'm doing good, Doug. I'm here with uh, our other two guests, Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm great. Had a great weekend. Finally, the season's over. I can't believe it. It honestly went by way quicker than I than than I felt. You know what I mean? Good vibe. I disagree. Uh, how are you? It was a long grueler of a season, James. It was a grueler. Um, you know where I did have some success in my predictions. I was let down today in uh, in the grand finals, but. Say, uh, I'm doing good, yeah, Pat. Before we get into this first uh thing, I just I want to read a random Twitter interaction that you had with someone on Twitter. Um, okay, you tweeted, been calling it all year 2023 world champions, uh, Toronto Ultra, and then somebody responded to that tweet and said, I can't believe you tweeted this on Friday, jinxed, and then you responded, I never jinx, and we woke up this morning. And Toronto Ultra did not wake up this morning. How are you feeling? I don't believe in jinx, James. Um, I think everyone controls their own destiny. Um, you know, I called it how I saw it. And if Toronto showed up and, and played how they were supposed to play and played to the level that they're capable of, I think we'd have, be having a different conversation right now. But yeah, they didn't. I don't even know if they got to the venue, James. They, they just they, they went in there and got world stars. So uh, it happens. But uh, there was no jinx. Absolutely not. Tough to see. Now, we, for the audience, thank you guys for coming back for another episode. This is our final episode of the year. Um, we are all in hotels right now, so if we try, if we talk over each other a little bit, bear with us. We're gonna try and go to like go in an order from me to Pat to Chris to Doug, and in that order, so we can try and keep this pretty organized. Uh, but we'll just hop right into the first topic, which is NYSL are officially our 2023 World Champions. Hydra MVP, Kismet Finals MVP. Overall, Pat, what are we thinking of uh, how NYSL showed up today? Hydra, Kismet. I mean, it was a different NYSL than we saw yesterday, right? Like when you compare, you know, their grand finals performance versus that winter finals performance, I think we got completely opposite versions of each team. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Hydra was impressive all season long. We've talked about that. Like he's always been a dominant sub. But Kisman, I think, was the real story here this weekend at this this champs. Um, and he actually got tournament MVP. So it wasn't just the grand finals. He got tournament MVP for for this New York squad. And uh, I mean, he deserved it. I think he's one of probably the best superstar compliment players in the league. Um, he enables, I think, his teammates to perform better. And uh, I think, you know, what I really liked about it was, um, you know, obviously Scrappy had some some comments for for him and his squad, but it's like he kind of had that MJ I took it personally moment. Um, and then like people can always say that and feel that, but like it takes a different breed of person to like show up and like actually you know back it up. So um, you know, I mean, shout out to Kismet. He played phenomenal all tournament long, and um, I think he was a, a massive X factor for this team because. I mean, this guy was not being paid your superstar bucks, but I mean, he outplayed superstars um, today. Yeah. Uh, my thing with just New York in general is a uh, big story for me is Priesta, man. He finally got his ring. I think he was 0-2 in Champs Grand Finals. Um, he finally got it done uh, with a team, mind you, that a lot of people in the offseason prior to the season beginning didn't think was going to be a contender for championships. We all knew that Hydra and, and – uh, Priest or not Priesta, Kismet, 
um, coming off of the New York Subliners roster and Vanguard were a pretty good team. They were championship caliber players. However, Skies and Priesta joined this roster. A lot of people looked at them as kind of just like, Ugh, well, these guys aren't going to be too good. But Skies and Priesta proved a lot of people wrong. I think Priesta played a lot better throughout the um, tail end of the season. And uh, Skies really came into his own as like that backbone AR, that like leadership role. If you listen to their comms, he's always he's always in there directing traffic and stuff like that. But also you got to give a big shout out to the coaching staff, right? Sender coming off of Optic, being let go. Um, I think Optic's kicking themselves in the you know, kicking themselves a little bit by, uh, you know, the fact that they let him go because he is a big reason as to why this team is so strategic and well-prepared. Um, even when he played, he was very much a strategic player, just did a lot of odd review, came up with a lot of like weird strategies and stuff like that to counteract some stuff. And if you watch that final, it was the definition of preparation. The way they played that search and destroy on the second map should just tell you how much they studied um, ultra and what they like to do. And they end up coming to play, man. They deserve this win. They are the hardest working team. They were the underdogs for the majority of the season. And every single player on that team really came into their own this season. And now they're champions. Yeah. And I, I just want to add on to both of your points in a different way. Uh, when I look at everything with New York subliners, I'm looking at Kismet, he was in the bottom of the barrel in the league in Paris Legion, first year of the CDL. He got benched, kicked out of the league, had to play in Challengers for about a year and a half, got back in, right? Priesta, a lot of people were calling for his job for the last year and a half, two years. Hydra, I personally did not believe in Hydra as a winner. I thought he was a baity, selfish, kill whore that doesn't play to win. That's what I felt of Hydra when I first would see him play. I thought he was talented, but I think there's a lot of guys that are like that. Um, and then you obviously yeah. have Skies, who I always love Skies' game. I just never felt he had the right team. But it, it's very clear when you when you take people who want to work with each other and believe in each other and focus on each other's strengths. And I think their coaching staff, to add to what you said, Chris, really brought that culture to that team. They believed in the best versions of all of those people, including Preston. Everyone always believed in Hydra personally. Hydra just became the best player in the game this year. Um, won an MVP of the regular season. They got three event wins. He's the first European to win a ring. I think Destiny and Fate always adds up and hydra unanimously to me is the first and absolute best european world champion right like it's the facts of what it is so yeah i think this is a great team it's a great story um especially after scrappy was talking the other day and kismet came back said what he said and what pat said too i mean a lot of people like to talk the walk, talk the talk but can they walk the walk and kismet's a guy who talks the talk and walks the walk and if i'm anyone who's looking at kismet i'm not poking the bear not me I'm not poking the bear. I'm not, not poking the bulldog. Like, I already saw what he did. I'm not poking you know? the bulldog. Well, Very well, impressive. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna poke the bear, you got to be the best player in the lobby. Period. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, if you're gonna do that, you have to know, like, undoubtedly, that you're the best player in the lobby, and you have to show up to that standard every time. And I mean, I think Scrappy was, you know, in a moment where he was the best player so far, but he obviously got outclassed in the grand final. Yeah. Um, just funny stuff. You, yeah, don't poke the bulldog. If uh, if you know Kismet, man, he's a very prideful person, and he's a person that's always like, you know, played Call of Duty with essentially a chip on his shoulder. He's uh, he was very talented in Challengers, and I think a lot of, like he never really got his shine. He never really got a shot, and this was his first opportunity to do so. Um, well, I guess in Vanguard, but the first full season where he finally got that opportunity, and he took it and ran with it and made the most out of it, man, and. If you're if you're going to talk shit to that kid, just know that he's going to come back with the absolute passion because he's not one of those people like, for example, scrap that will go out of his way to kind of like taunt other players. 
but he if you if you if you give it to him he's gonna give it back and he's he's just he's he's that guy man i can't speak highly enough about him yeah and i think it was good overall in terms of uh some of the personalities and storylines that kind of turned up in this in this champs um i think like personalities like scrappy and and kismet uh being able to talk and, and come back are, are good for the scene in itself um and i'll start with pat on this and before we go on to uh talk about toronto this is the first well this is the only tournament of the year where where grand finals is the only match that's on sunday um and i don't know if you guys can give any insight as to when you're at champs and you're the final two teams how do you prepare um before do they who are they like are they scrimming anyone like how do you get reps in that morning because obviously toronto didn't show up they had no warm-up um they 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 did not show up is this a, a fault on, on the format side of things for a uh, cot champs or is there something that they should have been doing that could have given them a better chance to maybe be uh one eye open at least uh when the matches started i, I think for the day oh sorry my bad at the end of the day, um, I don't think, you know, regardless of the format, if New York played that way and Toronto played that way, New York's the clear winner. But um, to speak on the format, I mean, look, we had a recipe for success that worked for literally like 12 years before we changed to the CDL model, where Sunday was top three. It was your winner final was first match. Your loser final was instantly played after that. And then your grand final was played. So you would wait and get to watch the loser final as the person from winner's bracket. Um <laughs> And I think, I mean, that's the fairest way to do it because both winners team guarantee to play a match before the grand final, right? Like if you, even if you drop down. Um, so for this one, I mean, yeah, I doubt either of these teams played a warm-up scrim. They just came in, uh, shot bots probably, and then, and then jumped into the game. Uh, another downside of this is like, it's the first match, right? It's 12 o'clock, it's early. Um, so I think for them, like, I mean, we've, we, you know, we're all players like, those early matches aren't always the, the the best. Sometimes you just start slow and you kind of like think in your head you're going to bounce back. But also, Call of Duty and arena first-person shooters like this are just, they're fast-paced and they're day-to-day, right? Like, these games are day-to-day. Look at our, our Saturday winner's finals matchup. Toronto wiped the floor with New York. And then New York bounced back in loser bracket. And then, like, there's day-to-day to Call of Duty. So I don't think one series on just one match is ever going to be the, the best way to determine a winner. Um, we've talked about this before, kind of going back to looking at the CWL format where there was like group play and the bracket and more and more. Like you need to play more matches. Um, and I think that's that's the big downside of the CDL for me because reps at a tournament is what leads to the best team at that tournament. Um, I mean, it's not to take away from what New York did here. But but yeah, I mean, I think it, it sucks because like granted, not every best of nine or whatever is going to be a sweep. But I, it, it allows for the opportunity of that. And I think that's a super disservice to the fans. Like, I mean, regardless of who you kind of were fans of, even New York, probably you're happy. But, like, no one wants to go into a tournament, the grand final, right, the culmination of the whole year, and see that, right? That's boring. It's, it's completely boring. Um, and so I think there's it, it limits just kind of, like, the ability for, like, a comeback kind of opportunity, right? Like a loser team to, to get hot, play a loser. You know, let's say, Chris, you remember our... Our, our aw days right where we made that loser bracket run to make loser finals we obviously played it versus tr on the next morning and lost but it's like there's just opportunity that i feel gets cut when you're just like okay one series grand final on sunday winner take all yeah i mean my only thing is i don't like the format because i'm the same i would much rather have 
um, teams that are warmed up because it produces a better product at the end of the day. When people are more warmed up, they catch fire. You see way more exciting plays. People are more on point, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's a little bit more consistent in terms of results because, like you said, it's day-to-day. Um, my the, the thing is, though, the one thing I will say about the format being like this is that teams can go back after the, you know, the final or the day before and they can like heavily prepare. Like you got this like timing window at night after the matches are over where you can actually sit down and study your opponents a lot more, see what they're doing and determine what's working for them and, and kind of like prepare for that grand finals. Um, but the one thing that you'll find, and I feel like the risk that you run is having a day like this. Um, and it's not good for the fans. It's not good to watch where you have that one grand finals and you run the risk of a team washing each other, like just completely being washed. Cause I mean, we all know this as competitors, bro, that first game of the day, like sometimes you just come out flat and you play with your feet. But if you had like a couple reps in maybe some scrims or like you, you know, obviously you get those opportunities in the losers bracket, like you can like turn into a completely different team. And I think just like on Saturday, right. First match for New York, first match for ultra um, of the day, ultra came out, washed them today. First match of the day. First match for Ultra in New York ended up being New York's thing. So, yeah, just it's basically the same thing. So, and there, and yeah, the, out of that, everyone's on the it. fair, everyone's on an even level, right? Playing field wise, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get the best product, right? Like, just because each team has the same opportunity, one team could just be like wake up and be better that day. Like, so that's that's the downside. Um, and, and I think that's why just you have to have reps on a, on a championship Sunday. Yeah, just to add to it a little bit more, like in Call of Duty League, they're trying to broadcast themselves to a wider and more vast audience. I think on the surface level, when you say we have our world championship today, we have subliners versus ultra. It's happening at this time. It sounds so prestigious from a marketing standpoint, but everything you guys just said alludes to why this finals was just a five. Oh, we're not taking credit away from New York for smoking them. I mean, they definitely earned the finals. We're not saying that they didn't. All I'm trying to say is that we clearly saw a team got 3-0'd by Toronto yesterday. We see them 5-0 the team today. We see the trash talk back and forth. I think that when you have three teams going into the Sunday, um, it makes it so that there's more matches to be played. There's a way to bounce back from it all. There's a way to make some adjustments. You're really there on the fly, and there's a lot more of a give and a take because we all can speak from this podcast from finals experience. You guys have world championship final experiences. We all understand the, the tug-of-war battle in these moments between the two teams. There's a lot of give and take. This finals was all take. It was all New York taking and Toronto just giving everything up, right? So, again, not to take away from New York, but I think the league is trying to market it like Super Bowl in the NFL. We have these teams playing. But, again, it's not comparable because in Super Bowls, it's always a one-game final. It's always a one-game playoff. It's always a one-game this. But in Call of Duty, it's always been about reps. It's always been about second chances, more opportunities, pool play matches, losers bracket. You know what I mean? So just to add to all your points, I definitely agree. And I hope that um I hope that in the future moving forward, we can have final three teams in the world championship on the final day. I think it makes we've always had that. Yeah, it makes championship Sunday and Call of Duty more exciting because it's like I woke up this morning with Sean in this beautiful hotel room and I'm like, oh, it's New York versus Ultra. I think Ultra's gonna win it because they three owed them and Scrappy's really confident. Well, no, I know exactly what happened today. New York was motivated. Scrappy got ahead of himself. He gave his team some bad karma. They all just didn't wake up and show up and shoot straight. They weren't in the right mental space. New York was. And that's all it really was. I mean, both these teams could beat each other. We've seen it. But it's all about who shows up on the day. So give these guys as many reps as possible on that day. I don't think one match is enough to justify it in Call of Duty. So, again, hats off to New York. Uh, definitely deserved it. But I, I agree with everything you guys said. Yeah. Now, on the uh, Toronto Ultra side of things, um, obviously, the year is over. 
And this is going to be kind of a unique offseason because uh, I, I don't really know what's confirmed and what's not, but like there's a really good chance that the next game is going to be a very similar engine and all of that in terms of the competitive season. So you can kind of like you kind of know who's going to be good at the game that we're going to play. Um, now on Toronto Ultras front, besides today, they were looking like the best team in the game. If you're Toronto Ultra, um, do you make any roster changes this offseason? Only if you can get a very particular roster. I think the only change that Toronto should do or even entertain is getting both Octane and Envoy. If they can't get both of them, I don't think they make a change. Um, I don't think there's clear upgrades for um, for Hixie. Uh, he plays a unique role. I don't think like putting another superstar on this team is going to help them. Um, so I think someone like Envoy, who is going to play a similar role, I just think Envoy plays that role better. Um, and then obviously, like, we've always kind of talked about um, Insight. Like, I think he mixes well with this team, but he's a much more slower-paced player. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes that can work, but also sometimes it can bite you in the ass. And I think adding in someone like Octane, and obviously you get, like, the LAT duo, um, you know, his comms are on another level, and Octane's a highly consistent AR player, like, just basically a strong backbone for this team. Same role Insight kind of plays, but I think Octane's just better. So for me, I mean, looking at the fact that LAT is all on uh, contracts that are ending, so they're free agents. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can throw them the right amount of money and provide them the right opportunity, right, something that you know that makes them happy and something they need, I think that would be a godlike roster. If you had Kleenex, Envoy, Scrappy, and Octane, um, and I think they would be they would be highly, um, they would they would be a mistake if they didn't make that. Try to make that happen, uh, in my opinion. Um, but if you can't make that happen, I think you keep the roster as is. I don't think there's another pathway, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Pat. I like his options for a potential roster change, and I think maybe if they did get somebody like that, they could make that change, could, probably. But um, I'm I, other than that, I think they just stay the same. I think Hixie has gone a lot better as the year went on and he had a couple of really impactful plays and some decent performances when some of their other players were lacking at the prior major and even here um i just think you didn't get the best version of kleenex this year i think there was a stint when in major two or like in between major two and major three where he looked really good but then after that he kind of fell off and i feel like um he's a lot better of a player than the performances that he had this year um, and that could just be the game. Maybe it just he didn't he didn't really like it or mesh well with it. Um, I think you just keep the project going. I feel like they had a lot of success this year. They proved they can contend for championships. They were in the championship or the grand finals of COD champs, and they just like keep it rolling till next year and obviously see how this team does, and then potentially uh, look for changes in the future if uh, some of their stars or some of their um, question marks, I guess. Um, keep slacking behind but overall i'm pretty happy with this ultra roster man i feel like they're uh they're a great they're a great team great contender and um i, I think they should probably stick yeah i'm gonna agree with chris on this as well i don't i don't always agree with the pack-a-punch methods like pat does uh i have some fundamental disagreements with some parts of the pack-a-punch method but ultra today pixie in general i mean you bring this guy in from challengers and all they did was go from like a top six team to the best team at certain points of the year and they never really fell out of that 
upper echelon of top teams throughout the year. And as a competitor in the CDL, I think the goal is always to make sure that your team has a chance to win. And I believe that this team always will have a chance to win as long as they want to continue running it back, just like a team like these, you know? And this is where the issues come in with these contracts because people are going to want more money or maybe a different change of scenery. But these teams build to these points where they could become championship teams like Thieves, FaZe, Ultra, New York, right? Um, and they get to this point and then circumstances change. I think Ultra is in a situation right now where they have to run it back and see if they could get their get back from this year's finals because none of them showed up today. Hixie didn't show up. Scrappy for the first time, I could confidently say Scrappy for the first time did not show up, which is shocking. It happened in a champs finals. I never would have expected that out of him. Insight they had didn't like a show point up. Six. They all had point six, point sevens, and Insight had a one, but who cares? They all got fried. Um, if I'm Toronto Ultra, I want to run this back, and I want to know why we lost. It's a mental battle. It wasn't a, it's not like they're not capable. I think we all believe that Toronto Ultra is capable of winning the world championship. It's not that they're not capable. They clearly lost a mental battle and they didn't show up on their tournament day. So they played perfect the whole tournament, like they said, and then they just fell short. So I would definitely run it back. One thing I want to mention before we move on from this topic is that I think New York is a prime example of what having a good team culture um, is all about. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to take note of that. I feel like some of the people that some of these CDL organizations have hired over the years don't know what the fuck they're doing in that aspect. Some of the coaches that they've hired this year don't know what the fuck they're doing in that sort of aspect. I think Sunder, D-Real, and all the guys over there, I think they have their performance coach. And I can't remember exactly what his name is. Um, so if you guys know, um, let me know. But um, those guys have done such a good job of developing a healthy team culture. All these guys actually like each other. They love each other. They hang out all the time, even through all their ups and downs. I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't know the inner workings of their camp, but it never felt like any of them were putting each other down. They were always just trying to lift each other up. And they never, ever, like, doubted themselves and the ability that they had as a team. And maybe that obviously all started with their first championship, because when you get that first championship on the board in a year, you're kind of like, wow, we can really do this. And even when you start to slog behind, um, you can make that regain. But, dude, the, the, the culture that they've implemented over there at New York is insane. And you got to tip your hat to that, because I think a lot of these CDO franchises need to go back and they need to start from the top, bro. It, it's not just your roster. You got to start with the people behind it, the people backing it and supporting it because it's not just all about what's happening in the game, dude. A lot of the stuff that, you know, cultivates a winning team and a winning culture is it starts from the bottom or from the top, I guess. 100%. Um, and, and Doug, you just listed off like some championship caliber teams there, but uh, that is a perfect segue to the next team that we're going to talk about because you didn't mention uh optic and, and optic bowed out early this weekend and before we get to the seattle series um was that optic hard point against the new york subliners one of the biggest chokes in champs history in terms of losing a map uh when i think i saw a screenshot from jacob hale when it was like 240 to 230 and if you look at the mini map and showed any human that's played a little bit of call of duty you would probably think there's no chance they're losing that map um because i think two were dead and they pretty much had full control of the hill um so i'll start out with you pat if kyler didn't move they win all kyler had to do was drop his controller and they win literally like because because if he dropped his controller he would have seen kismet and that would have been enough to just say hey kismet's hitting front they would have killed him um so literally, I just think it's one of those moments where it's like you just have to do the simple routine play, and he was just trying to do too much. There was they they 100 went off that hill. They need literally like five seconds basically 
Um, and he just decided to run and push out front for, for no, or not front, but like left side front for no reason. Um, that honestly, it's unacceptable. Like if I'm, if I'm on optic, I'm pissed because like, that's just a simple routine play to make 10 out of 10 times. There's no, there's zero excuse for that. Um, and we've seen those kind of brain farts from optic happen this year, multiple times. Um, but I mean, look like, I mean, that would have put them what at, was, was that to win the series? That was was to go to game five. Yeah, so they, if Optic won it, they would have pushed to game five, right? Like, Yeah, and I think they I, won the search 6-2 yeah, like, prior I mean, to that. Like, think about that, though. Like, New York just won this event. A simple, routine brain fart play could have been the difference between Optic knocking out New York in top six or whatever they were. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's in my opinion, it's unacceptable. Uh, I've said this all year long. I think Kyler should go. Um, I think Dan Ghosty spot should possibly be on the chopping block as well. Um, but aside from that, I think this optic team, I think, just needs to absolutely relook at everything they're doing. Um, you know, they had Rambo. They had a weird year. They dropped Dashy twice. They picked up Karma last minute as a coach. Like, I think this team just doesn't really know what they want to do or be. And I think, you know, the rumor is they're going to get Pred, right? And they're going to add another superstar. But <clears throat> we don't know if that's going to solve their problem. So I think they kind of need to sit back and, and hit the drawing board and really look at what this team team wants to accomplish because in my opinion if like Shotzi and Dashi just make this team you know they're just going to pick up two slayers that they think is good I think one they're going to lose out on culture two they're going to lose out on just role players and just a team that matches well and you're just going to get a bunch of people who get kills uh, so we'll see um, I think they should I really think they should get a coach like an actual good coach that not only Shotzi and Dashi respect but like from a high level, we could agree is an intelligent person that knows what they're doing. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that, that honestly, this whole year, in my opinion, is unacceptable from Optic for, for how good of a, you know, how much talent they have and how good of a roster they've had. Um, and some of the decisions they've made have just been absolutely questionable. I mean, you dropped Dashy twice. Like, Chris, you talk about team culture. One of your superstars, you're dropping twice for no reason to bring him back. Like, <laughs> I just yeah. think they made mistakes across the board. Um, yeah, I mean, just going back to that, like, Optic series, that Hydro was just unacceptable the way they lost it. Um, I think they just overcomplicate the game. And I saw a tweet on time. That was from some random guy. But it basically encapsulates everything that is wrong with some of these players in Call of Duty and the way that people approach games like Hardpoint. Um, how many times are we going to see a team basically win off a hill but instead of like just playing tight and like reinforcing the hill, they'll have like one guy in the hill and they'll try to like push out all these places and stuff like that, catch a bad timing, get caught sprinting. And then f- essentially someone finds a gap in that and they just like take a 1v1 in the hill. They win that 1v1 and then you go from a winning situation where you had everything covered to now having to double back. And when you end up having to double back to essentially kill that guy out of the hill, you start getting shot in the back from the other players that are reinforcing. So that's essentially what happened to Optic. And I feel like when you watch New York, they were such a good hard point team this year. And it's because they never really had to do any of the flashy stuff. Sure, some of the POVs on that team like Hydra and stuff like that, they looked very flashy, but they were always like they always knew what they wanted to do. Like they just had a very good understanding of the space they can take, the space that they can hold, the lanes that they needed to watch. And they never really like try to do anything flashy to like 
to they just let their teamwork flow and they had good setups and it's just like that's all you need like no one is gonna no one would have told you that let's say skies or even kismet or even priesta at least going into this year were better individual players than some of these other people on these top teams but they're beating the fuck out of you and they're winning multiple championships why it's because they're just playing good fundamental fundamental call of duty like it's not it's not complicated it's not hard to do some of these players just really need to like revise that because i feel like coming from an era of like jetpacks and slide canceling and stuff like that a lot of people just got into these like like habits of like being cracked is that weird is that like weird for me to say like back when i used to play back when i used to play when slide canceling was a mechanic or even like the double jumping was a mechanic right just because I didn't spam YY and slide cancel randomly didn't mean I wasn't like turned or like I wasn't like like a like a like I didn't have good reaction time or I was I didn't know what I was doing. Some people will just do shit to do shit. Like, for example, like this is just a habit that I'm going to pick on Kenny for a little bit. When he's running around and YY, it looks cool, but it does nothing for you and it hurts you at times. If I'm going to slide cancel something, it's for an engagement for a purpose. It's not going to be just to slide cancel to slide cancel or to double jump to double jump to hit this water route and do this jumping shit for no reason. Like look at fucking Hydra. Look at players like Kismet. They literally just they'll sit there and like they'll just like lay down or they'll do like the most basic shit possible. And like it just works. And granted, that could be a product of the game that we're playing. Um, but yes. I mean, I would argue like um, Chati, for example, right? Like he kind of has that style of just doing too much. Um, and it, and don't get me wrong, it worked in other games when like you could slide cancel and the movement mattered more. But like, especially in Modern for Two, and we don't obviously don't know what Modern for Three is gonna look like. But like, it's a very straight up game. Like you need to play straight up. And I think um doing the too flashy shit or or trying to do too much just just hurts you hurts your team um and it ruins situations so uh, i agree with you chris um i don't i I think that that's that mentality of like the the crack jetpacker is era um definitely put bad tendencies in a lot of players make sure we clip this because i'm calling out dashy right now and i'm calling him out for very specific reasons i've known brandon since the very beginning um I had a lot of power in his move to optic. I could have, if I felt like doing it, I could have told Jason Lake, we're not selling Dashy. We're building me, you, me, Dashy, and we're getting three. I was like, Jason, let him go to optic, sell him. This is his dream. That, that's what happened. I, I'm speaking from experience here. Uh, I thought that at that point in my life, I was going through a tough breakup. It wasn't right for me to play with Brandon. I thought he was super talented, had a lot of potential. I wanted him to follow his dreams. So we sold Brandon or Complexity sold Brandon to optic. I left Complexity. I just stopped playing. I've seen this guy, Brandon, play on basically every tailor-made situation he's ever wanted, for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there's some that he didn't, but all I see from Brandon is the embodiment of the optic gaming culture that Seth always sets. And I have a huge fundamental disagreement with it, and I think Brandon's the biggest issue here. I think that Brandon is always getting everything he wants. I think he's the most straightest shooter in Call of Duty history. He's such a likable guy, and he uses all of it to his advantage to get whatever he wants. And all it's equated to is lackluster champs performances, zero rings, and two championships in five years with every single situation tailor-made to what you want. You're getting Shotzi, you're getting Huke, you're getting Illy, you're getting this guy, you're getting that guy, you're getting Skump. You're doing you're doing everything that you want. And I think this is just the optic culture, and I think Brandon's the biggest culprit of this culture in that uh, building. He will always drop great numbers, right? He'll always have these great stats. He'll always do these great things. If you're that guy, Brandon, and I know that you can be that guy, you got to start playing to win. You got to stop playing for kills. 
you got to start being more of a team player. Everything is a team shot. Run up to the situation and die. It's okay. You don't have to be super cracked all the time. Use the crackness to your advantage when it makes sense. I think that optic, again, just like every other year, and it's like the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. Every year, everyone thinks they're going to be so good because they get all these great slayers. And I'm telling you, I've seen this for the last 10 years, Pat. We beat them with you having stitches in your thumb, and you had no sleep, and we had to beat them in two best of fives, and they had a dynasty squad just like they always did, right? I'm different. I'm different. There's certain people that are different, like Kismet, who we're alluding to right now, right? Like Dashy, to me, you got to change your ways, man. You continuously repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. You've been benched countless times. You keep on getting bailouts from Hector. Hector keeps on bringing you back up. Like, you got to take your accountability, Brandon. And I'm saying this in terms of love because I believe in Brandon. I love Brandon. I think he's a great dude. Straightest shot in Call of Duty history. That's some wasted talent if you don't get a ring, bro. You're only going to get that ring if you change the way you're going about it. These, if Optic Gaming keeps Dashy and Shotzi and picks up Pred, I'll say it right now. They're never going to win anything. I'll bet my house on it. If you want Pred, Shotzi, and Dashy all on the same team, they will literally never win, ever. No matter how hard they try, no matter how much rod they watch. By the way, the coaches are getting fired. Rambo's not in there anymore. They're trying to figure out a new coach. They got Karma making these cameo appearances. Let's call this for what it is, guys. It's all just some hype. It's, it's just some hype. This is all hype to get clout and engagement. This is literally all it is. If you guys are actually about it, if Karma wants to be the coach, Karma should be all in with the coaching. You should be enforcing the culture. If no one wants to fall in line with Karma's culture, you bench them. You don't bring them back in. You got to set a precedent. You can't enable these guys to just walk through life making all this money without getting any accolades, man. Two championships in five years for someone like Brandon is unacceptable. I need more out of him. I expect more from Brandon. I don't think any of us can follow that up, James. No, I don't think so at all. Um, I do have one more question before we move on, specifically for you, Pat. Um, you made a comment on the flank that I think was was going around the internet a little bit in terms of Shotzi not being a superstar SMG. Um we we did see Hydra though get the MVP this year. What do you think like is the biggest difference between Shotzi and Hydra um in the SNG role? Like what 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 is that difference? Consistency, um, takeover power. Um, I think Shotzi is is absolutely a superstar caliber player. Um obviously he was a, a force in Halo and came to COD and found success, but um the reality is, I mean, this year in Modern Warfare 2. He has not been a superstar. I don't even think he's had a stretch. Chris, I know you said he played good at one event, but comparatively, when you look at some of the other guys we're talking about, I don't think he played nearly as good as they did. Um, he's also not a guy that I can say, like, all right, optics backs are against the wall. Like, you know, when that happens, you look to your superstar. Um, I don't think Shotzi's that guy that I could, in this game, I could look to him and be like, all right, he's going to bail out Optic here. You know, he's going to go for 40. He's going to just have an absolute takeover map and win it himself. Hydra has those maps. Abizi has those maps Pred we've seen has those maps um and so that is why i said i don't think he deserves to be called a superstar this year and i think anyone doing it um is, is honestly hurting hurting you know not only the reputation of what a superstar is but it's taking credit away from those who deserve it because in my opinion i mean there was not one point this year where i was like damn Shotzi just completely took over and we're talking about land events only right the the five majors that we had plus champs i don't care about online that's completely irrelevant to me it's a different Three. game sound eq who cares Three. but land tournaments there is not one event this year where i was like damn Shotzi just completely took over um didn't meet the expectation of how much he's getting paid as a player um he averaged i think like a 1.0 on land this year didn't do too hot in search again to Chris's point makes a lot of wildly flashy plays, but like it has a super inconsistent play style. Um, 
he just goes quiet some series. You look at what, what happened at Champs. He was completely quiet here. He had like a point seven in their two series. So, um, yeah, I just I wasn't impressed whatsoever. And I think you know people who do play at superstar caliber level need to need to be accredited for that. And those and those who are pretenders, in my opinion, need to be stripped of those titles. So um, that's why I said what I said. And um, I hope moving forward we can stop just throwing like the goats around and superstars and, and call a spade a spade. Cause um, there's only a few people in this league who, who at least this year played to that potential. Um, those three subs I listed earlier. And then of course, scrappy uh, Celium and probably octane would be my third AR. If you pick three from each, but outside of that, I mean, no one else was a superstar in this league this year. Um, so uh, I just think we need to be more accurate in, uh, in how we label players. Hear that. Um, now, on to the next topic. We're going to talk about FaZe a little bit. Again, it's always tricky talking about FaZe. They got hurt, um, and this is the first time Simp in his career has not made a grand finals at Champs. What is the future of FaZe look like in terms of roster changes? Um, it's kind of, again, it's tough to talk about. They're still a good team. Do they make a change? Where does the change happen? Who are we starting with? Uh, uh, let me start with you, Pat. Um, so I think there's two routes for phase. I think route A is they do nothing. Um, I don't think there is a substantial upgrade they can get for Austin, which would clearly be the only change they would make. Um, you'd be absolutely drunk to swap out the trio of Cell, Abizi, and Simp. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a clear upgrade. Like, I know people say Octane, but, like, realistically, I don't think Octane, Octane's coming in and, like, um, really giving that team any extra push. So, uh, in my opinion, um, I think they stay as is, option A. Option B is they drop Austin and they move Simp to a flex role. So you take Simp off the second sub, move him to a flex role. Uh, obviously, Cell runs NAR. He always runs AR. It's basically the same thing. Um, and then you look at picking up another sub. Uh, and for me, I mean, I know people are going to be like Pred or, you know, whoever. I actually think Envoy is the most important player in this roster mania due to the role he plays. Um, Envoy had a great showing here. He had a pretty good year overall. Uh, but I think option B for me for phase would be dropping Austin, picking up Envoy and having Simp run, run a flex. And, you know, I say Envoy is the, the most important player in roster mania because, one, he's a free agent. And I think the role that he plays, a lot of teams desperately need. I would argue Optic needs that role. I would argue Toronto could use that role as an upgrade to Hixie. I would argue FaZe needs that role. Um, if they'd made that that swap, that's an upgrade in my opinion. Um, and so when you kind of look at like every top team, right? I think we have, in my opinion, we have five teams, okay? We have New York, Toronto, Optic, FaZe, and LAT. Those are like my top five. Like that's that's the powerhouse teams that are going to be players in this roster mania. And obviously we know New York's probably not changing. Um, Envoy, in my opinion, would get a call from all of them. Um, and so I think he's going to have a lot of leverage in this roster mania. Um, and I think he kind of, more so than Pred, will dictate what happens because he's a role that hardly any subs play. Uh, and he plays it nearly to perfection he's a he's a very good player so um that would be my option b for for face but most likely i think they stick um i would say phase probably stick unless you basically hit the nail right on the head but just to dive on to some of the issues that phase have 
Um, I think they had a really good year. Obviously, they are still an S tier team. They basically placed third, first, or second at every single tournament. Um, their issues this year just really stemmed from some of the similar issues that Optic had, except maybe to a lesser degree, just because I feel like they are more talented than Optic is. Plain and simple. Um, they really struggled to kind of get the fundamentals down, and there are similar things with Celium that Dashi um, also has, where sometimes Celium kind of just plays his life a little bit too much. Um, but even then, like their core of like Simp and Abizi, Simp just did not have a good year. Simp was very quiet this year. Um, he was pretty he had major, he was, he was he had the major that, they like won. crazy in Vanguard either. I think uh, in Vanguard, Abizi and Celium were like the big shows of that of that team. But yeah, he did have like some decent showings. But the thing is with FaZe is um, I think you just run it back. And it's the same thing that like I was talking about with Toronto and Kleenex. It's like you just had one of your superstar players just not have a superstar year. And you still had a really good showing. And I feel like if they try to make a change that is strictly for Austin, I feel like they're not looking internally. They need to look internally. They had they essentially had a very similar, if not basically the same year that they had um, with Alec this year. Um, and the only reason maybe they started getting thirds instead of seconds is just because of the talent pool. Like, and, and the rosters made this year were better than the rosters in Vanguard. But, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think they change. I think they keep the same, the same trio, obviously the same, uh, the same AR slasher and they just improve on it next year. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, it'll just be their year next year. Agreed. Agreed with both of you guys. It's very simple to me. If FaZe wants to take their game to that next level and continue that dominance that they did have in the Cold War year and obviously consistently still place as good as they do, but win more championships, which the goal is, they would remove Slasher, make Simp a flex, and pick up Envoy. If they don't do that, they keep Slasher, keep running it back, and hope Simp just has a better year on a sub. But they don't need to remove Slasher from the team. They could keep this roster rolling. It's going to continuously stay at the top, no matter what, as long as they stay motivated. Yeah. So. I kind of agree with everyone. And, and the only reason that would work is simply because Simp running a flex, maybe like an AR, because we know he has, the, he has the slower play style out of him in a BZ, is just unexplored territory. So you maybe unlock a certain potential to elevate your team further by doing that. But anything else is just stupid. Um, on top of that, I feel like as much as I like the coaches um, on phase, I still think that New York encapsulated the team culture and the, the amount of preparation they had going into matches, I felt like always showed. They always just felt like they they had hard reads on other teams and they were very strategic in that sort of aspect. And I feel like New York at the end of the season just put in way more work than these other teams um, from, from, from that point. And I feel like a lot of those teams could benefit from, from doing that same amount of preparation and then stuff like that that uh, New York did. Because, dude, there's no... You're not, you know, you're not telling me that Simba, Beezy, Selium, et cetera, are less talented than like the players on New York, like point blank and simple, especially if you're looking at the whole year. Like the only exception maybe is Hydra. Obviously those guys uh, are yeah, all really good. I was going to argue they're more talented. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's Hydra, what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I'm saying. Phase is, phase is more talented than that. And you've like, especially looking at the years prior that New York was just so well prepared. Like. If uh, yeah, outside of Hydra. So if um, if FaZe can get that sort of preparation in their belt and start to improve on, if they don't make any roster changes, they're gonna get get even better. So now a team that did show up a little bit better than I think everyone expected uh, was Seattle Surge, and not, not not I think it's inevitable that roster changes are happening with this team. So I, I don't know how much it's worth even chatting about um, them 
their their performance at champs. Um, I'd rather shift this more to a conversation of where do these players go? Um, and like, can Seattle do anything as an organization to to damage control what they're about to lose? Mm, I don't care. Yeah, if sure. Honest, I don't care. Let Pratt go. Let him walk for free. Honestly, sell him. Let him walk. You're not going to need him. Like he won the MVP. They can't that sell him. Time. I mean, whatever. Like, dude, he won the MVP the one time. But there's a fundamental issue with that type of a player. I looked at Pratt at Texas and I said, "You're the only player I've ever met that makes kill whoring valuable." Ever since I said that, the kill whoring has been the least valuable thing, and it's hurt the players around him so much. I don't think this gets enough coverage. I, I think Amir. He seems like a great guy. I really like him. I love his personality. I love. The numbers he puts up is awesome, dude. But, man, he's got to look internally as well. You can't be the guy on a team that's dropping these numbers when you guys lose every single series all the time. You can't win on land. I know it's not because you're getting costed and you're dropping these numbers. It's because you're hurting the teammates around you. You're not bringing the best out of them. It will continue to happen if he goes to Optic. I'm saying it for how it is. It's not something – I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to throw shade his way. It's just, dude – you don't need to be doing all that stuff to win. You make the game 10 times harder. I've been around for 10 years. I've seen it all. I play with all the superstars, a lot of them in this league. I know how it feels. People are going to say, oh, you suck. You dropped the points. Um, I get it. But like, sorry, bro, they got to they gotta look internal. Look, Mac Mac got massacred this year. I feel so bad for Mac because, and again, Mac has his faults. Sib has his faults. Accuracy definitely had a poor chance performance. Pred too. But it's, it's, it's the number one thing is the way Pred is playing COD is hurting that team's chances of getting wins. And if people want to disagree with that on social media, you can disagree. It's just my opinion. But look, that's not winning culture. They have a winning culture, but then they have one player on the team who puts himself over the team with his stats. That's not winning culture. So there needs to be a middle ground that makes Pred happy and makes the other three happy because that's what's happening. There's a divide, clearly. You can't win with a divide. Chris? Yeah. Um... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was going to say, sorry. Um, see, I agree with that. But at the same time, looking at the last couple, like like even this this tournament, Pred was good, but he wasn't like putting up those crazy numbers and they made it further. So I wonder if he maybe did like change his play style and they improved because yeah. of that. And so you start seeing Sib and Mac play a little bit better. Um, even Lamar had a decent amount. But in terms of just Seattle um, at this tournament, they just iced up. Bro. They were winning the they were winning search and destroys, which is something that is just not characteristic of them. And they were um, they were just basically icing up in the series that they won. And um, obviously, that's not going to happen next year. Pred's going to be a free agent. I doubt they resign. Um, I'm still wondering if they maybe like take Winworld. He's obviously their sub, and maybe try to like sign him and like obviously bring in some talent because if if Pred and Sib are both gone from this team, which I probably think is going to happen. They're not really going to have a lot of leverage in the offseason with people that are wanting to play with Lamar and Mac just because of how their performances were um towards the uh you know towards you know for for the majority of the season. I think Mac is probably the only person if they can't obviously keep Pred and Sib that you consider keeping because I think Mac obviously was very good when he first got in and obviously kind of got relegated to this like role on this team where um he might not be playing um comfortably. Um, if you wanted to obviously make that excuse for him, but, uh, for the most part, I think this team is, it's just, they're just, they're just going to go downhill, um, after they lose their, their superstars because that realistically Sib, when he was performing well and Pred, when they were performing well, that's when you got the best versions of the Seattle surge team. And, uh, I don't think many people are going to want to, you know, play with the other players. Um, I understand Doug's point. 
But I think someone like Pred could absolutely work on a team that knows what they're doing and is consistent. Um, we talked about this with the Seattle Surge roster all year long. That yeah. I mean, they've just been so wildly inconsistent. Like, even if Pred was that guy, like, his teammates would just sometimes literally not show up. And it doesn't really matter if you're that guy. Um, it's a 44 to team game. Um, so, look, I think they're in a situation where they should have made a move way sooner, uh, whether that had been selling Pred early in the year and at least getting some ROI there because they're letting him walk for free and they really got nothing out of that, um, which is mind-blowing to me. Um, I think that was a massive mismanagement from the front office. Agreed. Um, outside of that, though, I think, you know, I think, I think Sib's going to get offers. I think he's going to go. Um, I think Pred's going to walk. And then you're left with Mac and Lamar. Um, I don't think Lamar is at the position where he's going to attract talent. Um, so I think Seattle's going to be in a kind of rebuild state. And at that point, I mean, look, Lamar's also an expensive player. Um, so <clears throat> in my opinion, they're going to let Lamar go too. Um, that would leave Mac. I do see upside in Mac, um, like worth keeping upside, but I don't really like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet all my, you know, bet everything on it. If, if I had the opportunity to pick up a better team or, uh, let's say a challenger roster that I thought was better or whatever, I'd absolutely let Mac go as well. So, um, I think the Seattle surge is going to be in rebuild mode. Uh, as far as what it means for the players, I think Pred and Sib are going to be okay. Uh, I think they're going to probably obviously get in a top echelon competing team. Um, for Lamar, if Lamar has to be on the move, I could see Lamar retiring. Um, I don't think Lamar wouldn't find a spot in this league. I think he would absolutely get a spot on one of those six through 12 teams. But my question would be like, would Lamar want that? And and I don't think he would. I think Lamar is a person that like wants to compete for championships. And, you know, I mean, I don't think Lamar is at a point in his life where he'd be like, let me go sign for a lot less money than I'm used to making to then be like a shitty team in the league. Um, I could be wrong. That's just my interpretation of it. I think Lamar decides to to walk away if he doesn't get an opportunity to stick on the surge um, because otherwise he's just going to hit the cycle, right? Go into a bottom team in the league, have a shitty year, probably bounce to challengers after that, and then it's just like, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't that, that's just not something I could see Lamar doing. So um, as far for Mac, I think Mac will, absolutely, Mac's still young, right? He's, his rookie season was a few years ago. So I think, you know, he'll regardless stay in the league and obviously compete. Um, but yeah, I think I think this this team's time as a roster is completely done. Um, and the writing was on the wall for a long time. Uh, as far as what they did at Champs, I agree completely with Chris. They just iced up. They they won literally both searches and both series that they won best in game five. And I mean, if that happens, like there's not much you could do about it. They just they just clutched up. But this team's been a roller coaster all year long and um as far as like their median, I think they were they absolutely underperformed with the talent they had. So um yeah, they need to as my shirt says, blow it up. <laughs> now uh we'll we'll go with the same order on this next one. Uh we'll go Doug, Chris, and Pat uh once again. because uh, we're gonna be talking about Boston Breach and we're gonna kick off Doug with this. Um I think the biggest takeaway from Breach this weekend, no, nobody knew how Snoopy was going to show up. Um, nobody really knew who he was in general until a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, show up he did. 
Um, I think he played really well. And uh, Doug, what, what are you thinking about the future of this Boston Breach team? Uh, roster changes, Snoopy, all that good stuff. Well, um, I consider him the prodigy for a reason, and he did everything I expect him to do this weekend. If he's going to truly be the player I believe he will be, he did exactly what he should have done this weekend. He is the future, in my opinion. I think that he has a perfect head on his shoulders. I think he's extremely grateful. I think he's extremely hardworking. I think he's very honest. And I think that he's a hybrid of players in the league that we quite literally haven't ever seen before. He does just about everything really well. He can play his life very well. He can be aggressive. He finesses himself very well. His movement, his gunny, his complete overall game, everything he does. There's a few downsides to his you know game and everything but he's only been playing for like six to eight months so i was very proud of what eric did this weekend i was with him every step of the way um when they lost to phase it was a heartbreaker we had a great game plan going into that match and he immediately just backstage started crying i gave him a big hug so i felt it. it it was tough for the whole team not just him but i'm very proud of snoopy i'm very proud of uh our team i think that they came together very well over these last few days i sat in on practice over the week I didn't really like what I saw. Um, and then we kind of came into this event, threw it all out the window. We started coming up with really good game plans. I think Optic hit us in the throat. And then we kind of came back and dominated Minnesota. And I felt like that was the nectar. If we had that formula continued with more reps, I think we could have made a deeper run. We we gave face a, a really, really close game. It could have went game five, right? Like same thing we're talking with Optic, how they kind of choked in and they should have went game five. I felt like, in a way, Boston kind of choked going into the game 5-2. And it would have been a really cool story to see three rookies beating Atlanta FaZe at champs. But it wasn't meant to be. FaZe was a better team. But very, very proud of Snoopy. Very proud of Boston. Very proud of the players. I think that they all did a great job coming together at the event. And despite all the roster changes, I mean, at the end of the day, we did get top eight at champs last year. And this year, we got top six at champs. No matter what anyone says, it is an improvement on paper, albeit. Um, it's not where we all want to be. We want to win championships. So I think it's a step in the right direction. Uh, as for Boston, for me, I just think they don't have any team culture, and I feel like that team culture is just very hard to build uh, when you are constantly making roster changes. I do like changes, and I admire the fact that they actually tried. Um, maybe they just jumped the gun a little too many times, and they probably just fucked up their formula. That could have helped them make a deeper rung if they if they stuck with it um, for a longer period of time. Um, I do like Snoopy, though, and I feel like if they're going to keep somebody on the team, they probably go with Snoop. As for Awakening and Beans, I think Beans had a couple of times where he, you know, showed that he could be pretty good. And Awakening, we already know Awakening. He was a uh, one of those like super like not he wasn't like a superstar, but he was a really good AR in prior games. But my question is 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 his like does his play style like hurt like teams? Because I feel like he's always been like a very baity like player, like a kill whore kind of AR, and I feel like. If you need, if you have that guy on a team, you need somebody like a Priesta, for example, that's going to be hyper aggressive with his AR play style. And I feel like Boston hasn't been able to find a player like that to be on their team. And also, the team just doesn't; ha it lacks experience. I feel like having somebody, um, for example, like you, Doug, you're a you're a, a big mentor to a lot of players. And although you might not put up the stats and stuff like that, you're a winner. You're able to create a team culture, and you might not have been able to do it. Um, because obviously you're not directly a part of their team. Um, you did it with some of the people that you brought up, like even Snoopy and stuff like that. Like you're helping nurture these players. And I feel like Boston kind of lacks that. I feel like the coaches have a better team culture. The coaches and the management with like Dens, like Josh, uh, Zed, et cetera, have a better team culture 
and understanding and of like personalities than the players do. Like, I feel like knowing the people in Boston, a lot of them are very reserved. They keep to themselves. They obviously like have their own like personal lives. But like the difference is, is like you look at a team like New York, I'm going to keep going back to this example. Like these guys are with each other all the time. They're always hanging out. They're always playing games together. And I feel like, I feel like that's so important um, to the, to, to a team dynamic in like an, an entire year of Call of Duty. Um, <clears throat> I have a different take here. Um, I think they should blow it up. Um, I would probably re-sign Snoopy, but I don't see why you would keep Beans. Um, I don't see why you would keep Awakening. Um, I think there's just better players that they can get to fill both of those roles. Um, Crimp is somebody that I would keep within the Boston, uh, ecosystem, right? Whether that be a substitute or the academy team. Um, and then they also have Nero and Vivid, I imagine, still under contract. I don't know what the one plus ones are, but <clears throat> I would use them both in this evaluation period of making the best team possible. But I, I absolutely think they should, they should make a complete change. I think Snoopy more so came out and proved himself this weekend. Uh, he even impressed me. Um, and he's what 18 like super young kid with a great head on his shoulders and you don't really get that often um and so i think i for me at least i i was super disappointed with boston all year long um i wish they would have made better changes than they did um i completely disagreed with their like swapping vivid and nero and crimp and whatever just like because when you do that you just ruin the culture and you just make weird changes i think beans should have been gone um and arguably awakening too um awakening chris to your point yes was can be viewed as that baity ar but aside from that i just i, I he wasn't consistent enough for me um another thing with this boston squad was their uh, online versus land performance they were significantly better online um whether that's the sound eq stuff or not whatever but I also think you have a kind of a, a a gap in their in their in their team's uh, um, kind of what I'm looking for, like their their ceiling, right? Like that that creates a gap in their ceiling where like they have a different ceiling online than they do on land. Um, so yeah, I think they just should focus on a rebuild. I think you know this this roster mania period more so than any others is going to be a great opportunity for them, especially to either dip into challenges A or get some mid-level talent that's obviously going to be free with some of the, the moves we've talked about. Um, but I think I, I was impressed by Snoopy, and I think that's someone that they could uh, could definitely keep an eye on long-term and, and continue to build around. And on to, uh, I guess, another big disappointment, our defending champions, uh, the LA Thieves. Double first-rounded. Um, and we'll kind of start with that. I also want to talk a little bit about um, there was some interesting takes again with the uh, the fuck you Draza chance returning um, after getting knocked out. Um, Pat, we'll start with you, I guess, on that because I know you had opinion on it last tournament. Does your opinion still stand for for the crowd kind of coming back in again with that um, in in champs post knockout? Um, I think post-knockout was a little crazy, but I really think the only reason that happened is because of all the drama that surrounded it after Toronto, all right? I think if that, if, like, he didn't reply the way he did to what happened, I don't think it happens here. Um, so I think his kind of reply to that situation instigated what happened here. Um, but look, I mean, again, 
Uh, we've talked about this before. Like, if you play the role of the villain, um, which, I mean, I, I'm not going to say he, like, fully buys into it, right? But he floats the line quite a bit. Um, you have to be able to back it up. And when you don't, the the crowd is allowed to do that. Uh, um, it is what it is. Um, I think that's the environment. That's kind of like the nature of the beast, right? Like, um, I honestly, I like it more than obviously not because it means the crowd's into it, which is a healthy thing for, for the, the game in general. Um, <clears throat> I did see Pred, like after, you know, Pred being like, quiet, quiet. I thought that was funny because um, Pred's in a, obviously a unique spot this offseason where he wants to get as many offers as possible to, to have more and more leverage. So him keeping everybody on, on good footing is, uh, is, is definitely in his best interest. But, I mean, look, the Thieves were massively disappointed. Um, to come out as not only your defending world champions, but your major four champions and get double first rounded. Granted, they had some close games. Um, that was a massive letdown. Um, for I'm sure them, but they're you know that entire franchise as well because all of those guys now are free agents, right? Their contracts are all expiring, and yes, I imagine some of them are going to get offers and probably take them, but like. Even if even if they didn't, I mean, I think they all costed themselves a decent amount of money because they were really inconsistent this year. Um, we talked about it. They had an absurdly slow start. Um, then they obviously kicked up for like two majors there and then absolutely disappeared in the last two. So, um, yeah, they're interesting. Uh, Kenny, I don't know what happened to him, but he's got to figure it out. That guy is far too talented to to have the year that he did. He massively underperformed. Um, Thieves is going to be interesting, I think, especially from a management perspective. I'm curious to see what they want to do, right? Like, I mean, we've talked about the uh, the ecosystem of esports right now, um, salary wise, and the amount of money and how tight it's getting. And so, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if we're going to see them be able to to you know, compete in that, 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 that role necessarily. And obviously they, they don't have anyone retained. So um, they don't really have anything to go off of. They have to offer brand new contracts to whoever they sign, even if they offer to the exact same team. So they're going to be, they're going to be an interesting, interesting one. And I, you know, I, I think they obviously try and retain most of their team, but there's a lot of competition out there that's going to want to pick and pull those players. We were naming teams earlier. So um yeah super super disappointing champs in general and i mean you never want to see your defending world champions get dead last in the, the way they did so um yeah fuck you draza i guess yeah i could see a world where draza goes to optic and that's going to start a huge snowball effect i think optic's going to make changes i think phase will stick i think draza will go there i'm not speaking with inside information by the way guys i'm just going off what my gut is telling me and what i'm seeing I think Draza is a really interesting piece in this entire roster mania, just like Envoy is alluding to with uh, Pat's alluding to with Envoy. Hundred Thieves could definitely run it back. They could definitely continue the same team, but knowing that culture, knowing those players, especially after getting dead last, I feel like the only way they truly would run it back is if they won another world championship and went back to back, and then they would go for a three-peat. But I think they've all proven themselves as players, as teammates. I think they're at a point in their careers where maybe they want some sort of a change in scenery. Maybe they don't want to deal with the LA tax that they have to pay for their salary. I mean, these are the ways that I believe players like these are going to start approaching these situations. They're getting older. They're at the top of their game. They're winning championships still. They're winning world championships in the last year. I think they're starting to like figure out what they really want in life and what's going to make them really happy and also obviously winning. So um, I definitely think there's going to be changes at Thieves and um, I think Draza will be one of the first guys to to move. 
my thing with the thieves is they need to do everything they can to hold on to envoy and octane specifically because i think kenny uh was just very o underwhelming this year i don't think he really showed up big and many matches outside of uh the ones against optic for the most part i think sam and envoy were very good and there was a very there was a stint where draza was also very good um and draza is always really good at search and destroy so he's he's a very valuable piece in that aspect and he's a young guy so he's got a lot to learn i could see a world where maybe them three stick especially because i know like they have like big ties with um la thieves and 100 thieves especially with the history there um you know octane being a part of that whole like hall of fame of thieves or whatever they call it and i could see a world where maybe they run it back and they try to pick up a superstar smg obviously pred uh would be a hot commodity for them if they can get him um or maybe somebody else that I'm, maybe i'm not actually thinking about but obviously these guys are pretty big organizations so i'm assuming they have a little bit of leverage and pull um outside of that like i said uh i don't i don't know if they keep kenny and like I don't know if a lot of really big players are going to want to play on that roster. Um, and they might end up having to go into another rebuild period as well. Um, but yeah, I still think Draza is also really good. I think he's very underrated. Um, he's a big part of why they um, had that run where they won the, 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 the major this year. Um, obviously Sam was MVP, but if you looked at like Draza stats, like he was absurd, especially in that search and destroy game. So um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to really say about thieves. Good to hear. Now, before we um, kind of round out this episode, I kind of want to make some off-the-wall predictions here for next year um, in a couple different directions. The first one I want to touch on is retirement uh, because there are some players that are coming to an end um, or, or nearing it as we've seen more and more players retire over the last couple of years. Um, is there anyone on the forefront of your mind that you could see retiring this offseason? Start with you, Pat. Yeah, uh, um, I think the, the first one that comes to mind is Lamar. Um, obviously, I think Lamar can get a spot. I just don't know if he's like willing to take the Clayster route where he just plays on the bottom teams just to stay around. I think Lamar wants to, to compete for championships. Um, aside from that, I could see possibly Tyler Fellow retiring. He's been at it a while. Um, I'm not sure if he would get another opportunity to play again. He was in the challengers cycle a lot. So if he, you know, has to go back through that, we've heard the rumors with Florida and the Miami heretics or whatever. So um, that is, that is another veteran I could see potentially retiring. Um, some of the other ones, like, like you could talk about some of the rocker guys maybe, but I think like, even if the rocker doesn't repick those guys up, I think they could just jump ship to London. London's so bad that, um they're gonna blow it up anyway uh, um the other one is potentially clay um you know i think we saw clay on the desk this weekend um he did a, i thought a pretty good job but if clay doesn't get an opportunity i mean granted he might be able to play with vegas again but i don't think there's a world where clay gets a you know even if they run it back like i don't i don't think that team is going to be able to compete for championships um I think they'd still be in kind of the similar boat they were this year, where they'd be floating that that line. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe Clay still has it in him, but I could see Clay, you know, calling it quits. And and I know he wants to still play, obviously, but I mean, as you guys know, like there's no fun in being 
eighth, ninth, and just in a cycle where you feel like you're you're capped at that 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 range. So, um, especially after being such a decorated player, for other big names, I don't I don't really think so. I don't think anyone on D's retire. Obviously, none of the top teams we've talked about, because um, the majority of those players will be able to get spots and. Most of the te- most of the league now is filled out with such young talent, right? Like they're like when you look at like the Florida, the London, the you know some of the Rocker guys, like they're still young, so like they'd probably just go back to challengers. I don't think they'd call it quits because they yeah potentially get another opportunity. But yeah, those are the three that come to mind for me. Uh, for me, I got Lamar. Obviously, I think Lamar could actually make a good coach. Um, I like the fact that everyone vouches for his systems and stuff like that and his approach to the game. But sadly, from a talent perspective, um, he's just not on, this, on the level of some of these top ARs. Sure, he can go down and take the same route that you were talking about with Clayster and play on a lower team. But I don't really know if he's going to be able to get on a team that is really, really talented. Because I feel like he was on this, Van- on this Seattle team um, from Vanguard to now. And this was the young talent team at the time. It was Mac. Just um just got out of uh, the New York cycle. He was he just started his career. Sib obviously his first full pro team. Pred first full pro team. And obviously they did find one chip back in Vanguard, but ever since then it's kind of been a, a roller coaster. Uh, you know, like Pat likes to call it. And a lot of the times, whenever they struggled, he was playing really poorly. Um, so I don't know if he's going to want to go down and take that route. Um, another person that you can look at is Bance. Bance, although he had a pretty decent year in terms of like his individual performances for the Rocker team, um, <laughs> he was talking about I think back in Vanguard, who he was having like mental struggles, struggles where he like almost retired and stuff like that. So he, that's already crossed his mind a couple of times. Um, so I could also see that happening if maybe he ends up having to go through that cycle or he doesn't get re-signed onto another team. Um, Clayster again, another one where yeah, I know he wants to play, but I don't know how willing. He is to go to the bottom of the barrel um, for another year and struggle there. So um, what else? That's probably it for me. I mean, outside of those guys that they mentioned, I would say people on those bottom teams like Scraps, I could see retiring just because I don't see him getting another opportunity. And it's very tough for European players. It's very tough for those European players, man, because, you know, they'd have to go back to Europe playing challengers there. I'm sure Scraps could get a good team in Europe, come back to challenge. What the fuck? I forgot about scraps entirely. Yeah, add, add him to my list. That's a good. Like it, it's it's so tough for the European players, and I think that's why they vouch for each other so hard because their careers are a little bit more fragile than North American players are. Um, so I think I could see scraps retiring. I could see, I don't even know. I mean, yeah, I could see fellow going into coaching. That makes sense. Um, I don't know. Like when you look at some of these bottom four teams, some of these players like maybe Assault. Does Assault want to go back to challengers if he doesn't get picked back up and do it all over again, right? Like it just comes down to your will of wanting to prove yourself. And and again, it just tells me that as a guy that's waiting for my turn to get my spot in the league, I need to be very careful and be very patient because my biggest fear would be to be like someone that's like in a Assault situation right now where you join a team that isn't good enough to win and there's nothing you can really do about it and you're not the right piece for the team and then people are going to look at you in a different way and then you're going to have to go back in the challengers and do it all over it's like it makes me think you know when i get in the league i want to make sure it's on the right system the right team i don't want to be in a bottom four situation so i just think these are things that players in general should take advice from me as and look at because this is the way i see it all and i'm very open about it all because i think it's important people hear it so uh, i could definitely see just scraps um and i think you guys kind of hit the nail on everyone else too i I also think, because um, I wasn't even factoring in challenger players, um, I think there's a, a 
pretty large amount of challenger players who have been in challengers a long time and i think if they don't get the those opportunities in the league i think we could see a you know a flush out of some of those veteran challenger players just being like i can't do another year you know of of, of being Andrew's on a no salary team Sorry to, sorry to cut you off, Pat, but Pender, I believe, has confirmed publicly he's going to retire after this event. I'm happy for Goddard X because I'm pretty sure he was going down that road as well, but Goddard X just won the Challenger MVP. Which we don't even know if that will grant anything, right? Like, yeah. it happened to Mohawk, too. Sure, like, we'll, I mean, what else, what else right, do you yeah. want as a Challenger player, right? You win the MVP in Challengers on land. I mean, last year we saw guys get in, so Adam's been waiting a long time for his chance again. So I'd love to see Adam get another chance, too. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of players, Pat, just to just to back your point. Yeah, I mean, it, now, it's tough, right? Like, I was going to say, like, Doug, you're, the Boston Academy is really the only team that, like, really provides a sustainable ability to play challengers. And so um, for those guys who have been stuck there, right, we call it stuck in challengers for a while. We started to see it fizzle out last year, right, like Saints and Decime and, you know, some of these other veteran players that have been around a while just been like, look, man, like, I just I can't do this anymore. It just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think, you know, if they don't get an opportunity again going into the next year they're just going to be like all right well i tried but it's just not worth it we're we're all getting to that age where like you got to make those life choices it can be tough um now something that that will also be tough and pretty much impossible um i'll let you guys decide if you want to add a little criteria to this but if you have to take an off the wall guess who wins the 2024 call of duty championship Austin do we want to include? Do we want to include NYSL or uh, or exclude Breach. them for for what? For champions. guessing twenty twenty four world champions. Oh, okay. Do we, yeah, want yeah. To, do we want to exclude NYSL because they just won, or 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 are you guys going to just pick other people? No, we can leave them in. I don't think okay. they repeat. So we'll leave them in. Okay. Pat, who's your pick for twenty twenty four? Twenty twenty four. I am going to go with. A roster changed, pack a punched Envoy and Octane joining Scrap and Kleenex. The Toronto Ultra will be your 2024 <laughs> world champions. All right. Boston Bridge is winning your 2024 right. world championship. We're instilling the culture with all the talent we have provided between what's Academy the roster? And- well, yeah, I was going to ask what's the roster. Well, I think there's a huge conflict of interest here, Pat, because I have to meet with the GM and speak about all these things privately. So, can I give the I roster then? I don't think it's something that I could tell you yeah, in private, Pat, and I don't roster. think it's something I could tell okay. you on a podcast, unfortunately. Okay. Boston but. Breach wins the 2024 World Championship. The roster will be Snoopy, Censor, Standy. And our cities. Okay. There we go. Interesting. Chris, your 2024 world champion? Uh, 2024 world champion, uh, we'll go with FaZe. Same roster, no changes. Run it back. Uh, get it done. Boy. Pick. Boy. Pick. Yeah, boo. That is the same pick. Boo. Boring. <laughs> boring, boring, LAG, boring. LAG, it'll be a... Uh, I don't know, Cronky, Ricky, be somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, well, 
I think that is going to officially conclude our final episode of Reverse Sweep for the season. Again, all of you guys who are watching the episode throughout the whole year, thank you guys for all the love. I appreciate you welcoming me with open arms this year. Pat, I'll give you a second. I'll each give you the floor. You don't have to put okay. your finger up. We're okay, not in the okay, classroom. Man. Come on, Pat. Okay, my bad, my bad. So, but anyway, thank you guys for, for all, all the love. Make sure you subscribe. We, we're, we're, we're hoping to come back next year and, uh, and, and, and continue to give you your Monday morning reverse sweep um, throughout all, all of next season. Um, and, and we're excited about that. Uh, Pat, I'll let you take the floor and, 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 and you guys as well, if you have anything you want to add on. I'll be quick. I got two things. So one, the reason LAT, I forgot to mention this, got double first rounded is because the nub, a.k.a. Enable, a.k.a. our old co-host, actually showed up to this event. And as soon as he got there, they started getting smoked. Um, I saw him downstairs. Um, he sends his condolences uh, to all you guys in the chat. Um, but, yeah, fucked enough. Uh, second, Chris, or all of you, actually, Chris, James, and Doug, this Tuesday, so a day after the reverse sweep airs, the X Defiant open session will be starting if you played close beta, James. And I want to see you out there with me grinding. I want to see you making the minute-long TikToks and get back on your TikTok game, and I'll see you guys on Next Defiant. It's going to be a great offseason, and, yeah, we'll see you next year with the Reverse Sweep 2024. Chris, you got anything? Uh, thank you to all the supporters that uh, supported me, Pat, and Doug, and James this entire year. Reverse Sweep was incredible. Can't wait to do it again next year if everything lines up properly. Um, we had a fun we had a fun time, but also our show evolved, man. We went from uh, just talking about matches and stuff like that to a lot more podcasty questions, just talking about random subjects and uh, diving into some Call of Duty history as well. So, yeah, lots to look forward to, man. We're always trying to make the best show for you guys and trying to have a, a fun time over here. And hopefully next year you guys will listen to me on the bracket predictions more. Fuck you. Is that I was you were you were wrong the last two brackets of the year. James, 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 James. I, I picked four out of the six event winners, and the two I didn't pick, I called them, and they made it to the finals. They just didn't win. You, you can't know you get can much win. better you, than that. You you can win blackjack hands when you're not supposed to win, and then you can lose a bunch of blackjack hands when you're not. I That's mean, not how it works, James. That's not how it, it works. It happens from time to time. Anyway, Doug. Yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for all the support. I think me, Chris, James, and Pat have a really great dynamic on this podcast. This was probably my favorite one we've done all year. I think that we really hit the head on the nail, or the nail on the head with a lot of these conversational points. And if you guys do enjoy anything that we say to you guys, the nail. Wow. I said it the wrong way. My bad. The head on the nail does not sound – yeah, I get it. My bad. Okay. Just please leave a like on the video if you guys support the reverse sweep and tell us what you like and what you don't like in the comments. That's the only thing that I ask. And one more thing, Doug, aren't you doing like a Detective Jimbo uh, series coming up that people should look out for? So it's we didn't really so talk much about that. We didn't really talk about that, but but I yeah, I'll let so you go. Just to summarize it really quickly, Jimbo just got outed on land. It was his karma. It was something that was long overdue. He hurt a lot of people's careers, including Parasites. That's on this podcast. He hurt his career tremendously as a challenger player this year. And I'm definitely going to go in on him. Um, I'm going in on him when I get home and also I'm going in on these pull-ups. So we're pursuing a world record of 10,000 pull-ups in 24 hours. So the off season is going to be dedicated to that. But first thing when I get home will be Jimbo. He still hasn't tweeted, by the way, that guy literally just went ghost. He'll never tweet again. I guarantee you. I was going to say, I don't know if you, there's anything you can say. Like, I, I think you kind of just got sorry. Gotta... Peace. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, I would I would replace the fuck you Drots chant with the fuck you Jimbo chant. Fuck you, Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, he's the first guy, so fuck you, Jimbo. You cost me champs this year, Jimbo. Fuck you. And that's how we're ending the final episode. Ladies and gentlemen, have a good week. Have a good offseason. Enjoy all the roster mania, and we'll see you next year. And enjoy X to find. <laughs>